Jesus' name pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we're there in Galatians chapter number 6. And, of course, on Wednesday nights, we've been making our way through the book of Galatians in a study going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And uh, we're almost done with this book of the Bible. Tonight, we begin the last chapter of the book of Galatians. We'll spend a couple of weeks in this last chapter. Uh, so we'll get through Galatians chap- uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 10 tonight. And then we'll finish up the book of Galatians the next time we're together uh, in the book of Galatians. And uh, this passage of Scripture that is before us, uh, in my opinion, deals extensively uh, with the principles of personal responsibility. And uh, years ago, uh, back in 2018, I preached a three-part sermon series on the subject of personal responsibility. Uh, If you were here, you may remember it. We called it the buck. And if you remember, we talked about uh, passing the buck and the buck stops here and and uh, we, we delve extensively into uh, this portion of Scripture here in Galatians chapter number 6. So we're going to look at that tonight, this idea of personal responsibility. And I'd like to give you three principles from this passage regarding personal responsibility. And, of course, on the back of your course of the week, there's a place for you to write down notes. And I would encourage you to maybe jot some of these things down. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, the Bible says this, Brethren... If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted, bear ye one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I want you to notice that in verses 1 and 2, we deal with, and the Apostle Paul is teaching the church in Galatia that there is a responsibility Uh, to care for others. There's a responsibility that they have to care for other individuals. But then I want you to notice in verse 3, he shifts gears, and then he begins to talk a little bit about personal responsibility. In verse 3, he says, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own Burden, and in, and in these few verses, we see the first principle that I'd like to share with you tonight, and I'd like for you to maybe jot this down. And it, it is this: I want to give you three thoughts regarding personal responsibility. And the first one is this: responsible people. We're going to talk about responsible people and what it is that responsible people do. And if you are responsible people or you are a responsible person, then then this will resonate with you. And if you this doesn't resonate with you, then maybe you're not so responsible and want to help you become responsible. All right, and here's the statement, the first statement. Responsible people realize that they have to deal with the problem. Responsible people realize that they have to deal with the problem or with the problems. And what I want you to notice, what the Apostle Paul highlights here for us, is that there is a communal responsibility. There is a responsibility as a Christian, and you tonight, if you're here tonight, you're saved, if you're a Christian, you have a responsibility to those around you to help them deal with their problems. Look at it again, verse 1. Brethren. He's not only talking to pastors or spiritual leadership here, although of course that applies, but he's talking to the, the brethren in general. He says, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault. And the word fault here is, uh, of course, uh, talking about sin, but it's a little different than, than sin. It, it, it encompasses more than sin. It, of course, includes sin, but it encompasses more than sin because of the fact that a fault is a weakness or a struggle. It's more of a, uh, 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 an area in which someone may struggle which has to do with sin. And this is why uh, James says that we should confess our faults one to another. We're not Catholic priests around here, and you don't have to go uh, up to me and and confess any specific sins. But if you have a struggle in a certain area, maybe you struggle uh, with certain things, then those are things that you can confess one to another and ask for prayer. And here the Bible says that if a man is overtaken in a fault, maybe there's an area of weakness, a, a, a sin that they struggle with. Hebrews talks about the sin which does so easily beset us. When a man is overtaken in a fault, notice what it says. It says, ye which are spiritual. And I want you to notice that the emphasis or the direction of the communication by Paul here is not to the man that is overtaken in the fault, but it is to the man or to the persons 
which are spiritual. This would be the mature, grown, strong. This would be the responsible individual. And he tells them, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. He says, you are to restore uh, others in the spirit of meekness. Of course, the spirit of meekness is a reference to humility. Why? Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And the idea is this, that we should always treat people the way we'd like to be treated. Is what the Bible teaches. And if you were to be overtaken in a fault, if you were to find yourself in a low place in life, or maybe you were struggling with something and, and, and you weren't living the victorious Christian life, what you would need is someone who is mature and someone who is spiritual, someone who is, is stronger in the faith to come alongside you, not, not just to criticize you, not just to judge you, not just to, to belittle you, although, of course, we understand that part of this process may require rebuking and may require correcting some things, but the purpose is to restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. The, 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 the idea, notice there in verse 2, is bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. If we are to fulfill the law of Christ, what is the law of Christ? The law of Christ is to love the Lord thy God with all thy might, with all thy soul, with all thy heart, with all your strength, with everything you are. We are to love the Lord thy God and to love thy neighbor as thyself. We are to be looking out not just for ourselves but for others. We should be looking at the things of others, not, not, not in a, in a coveted, uh, covetous type way, but, but looking for their well-being, esteeming others. And we see here that there is a communal responsibility. There is a, a responsibility that you have as a Christian. The Christian life is not a life that is meant to be lived on an island somewhere by yourself, worried only about yourself, but you are to enter into a community where you have some responsibility to look out for the well-being of others. Now, keep your place there in Galatians 6, and I'm going to read to you from Genesis, and I I don't need you to turn there. I'd like you to turn to Hebrews, if you would, Hebrews chapter 10. If you start at the book of Revelation and go backwards, you have the book of Jude, then 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd, and 1st Peter, James, and then the book of Hebrews. Uh, Get to Hebrews, if you would, and uh, chapter 10, and when you get there, do me a favor, put a ribbon or a bookmark or something there, because we're going to leave it, and we're going to come back to it, and I'd like you to be able to get to it quickly. Hebrews chapter 10. While you turn there, let me read to you from Genesis chapter 4, and in Genesis chapter 4, you have the famous story of Cain and Abel, of course, and, and if you remember, Cain, these were two brothers, two twin brothers, one killed the other, and, uh, and, and, and of course, God was uh, looking out uh, for Abel. In Genesis chapter 4, and verse 9, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. And of course, Cain makes this famous statement, which is often quoted and said about Cain, uh, when he, he made this statement, he said, Am I my brother's keeper? And he, of course, asked, Cain asked God this question in a very critical and and sarcastic type way. When asked, where is thy brother uh, Abel, thy brother, he asked the question, am I my brother's keeper? But the answer that Paul would give to that question, am I my brother's keeper, the answer to that question is yes. You are your brother's keeper. I am my brother's keeper. And when you and I got saved, we became uh, the children of God. We became, I became a son of God. You became a son of God, a daughter of God. God became your heavenly father. But along with that heavenly father came a heavenly family, came a family of believers. And if you, God brought you to a church like our church and you are a member of this church, you have a spiritual family. You have brothers and sisters in Christ, and you have a responsibility. Like we've been talking about, if you're able to come to the funeral, you say, why would I uh, make the, why should I make the effort to come to the funeral? Because you have a responsibility as a brother and sister in Christ, like Paul said here in Galatians 6, 2, to bear ye one another's burdens, Amen. to be there for your brothers and sisters in Christ. When it's sin, when, when it's just uh, uh, the result of, of, of just trials and tribulations in people's lives, we are to rejoice with them which rejoice, and we are to weep with them that weep, where there is a communal responsibility. The, li- the Christian life cannot be a selfish life. It has to be a life that is lived with others and for the benefit of others. So we see that as a Christian, you have a responsibility to those that are around you. But I want you to notice that you need to be careful about, because Paul, after making those statements in verses 1 and 2, then in verse 3 he says this, he says, and it might seem odd to you, like why would you 
say this next? What does this have to do with what you just got done saying? Verse 3, he says, For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. And the idea is this, that as a Christian, you have a need. As a Christian, you, you not only have a responsibility for, uh, to, to care for those around you, but you also have a need to uh, be and to be ministered to by those around you. And the idea here in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 3, when he says of a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. The idea is that you and I are not to get this thought and say, well, I don't need anybody. I'm fine. I can, you know, don't ever get to the place where you say, well, I can just listen to preaching online, but I don't need to be part of a church uh, uh, a community. I don't need to be part of a church family. Uh, I, I'm fine. I'm strong uh, by myself. Paul would say, if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. And you are deceiving yourself when you don't realize that not only do others need you, but you need others. Others need you to be in their lives, but you also need others to be in your life. Notice there in Hebrews chapter number 10, if you would, I think I asked you to keep your place there. In Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse number 24. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, the Bible says, and let us consider one another. I want you to notice that phrase, one another. One of these Sunday nights, sometime, I don't know when, but sometime, at some point, I'm going to preach a Sunday night series, maybe I'll do it on Sunday mornings, but I'm going to preach a series on all the one another's, all the times that the Bible tells us to one another, to pray for one another, to be there for one another. And here he says, let us consider one another. You should be thinking about your brothers and sisters in Christ. You should be considering them. You should be thinking about them. You should be, con- you should be concerned with them. When maybe their attendance is not like it used to be, or maybe you know that they're going through a difficult time, the Bible says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. See, there is a ministry that is to be done amongst believers by just living and living the Christian life together where we provoke our, uh, one another unto love and good works. Look at verse 25. Of course, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we are to exhort one another. The word exhort means to advise, to admonish. Look, you need people. You cannot go. And this is, I guess this is the point that I want to get across, and, and, and I'm praying the Lord helps me to communicate this properly. You cannot live your life in such a way where nobody can correct you. You cannot live your life in such a way where there's nobody, no, no one in your life, no one within your sphere of influence that can kind of call you on the carpet and say, no, that's not right. You know that's not right. You know better than that. And see, people often do everything in their power to make sure that they position themselves in such a way. They position themselves in their neighborhood or at work or whatever social atmosphere they find themselves in to make sure that they never get close enough to anyone for anyone to be able to say anything to them. And sometimes people come to a church like this and you start getting close to somebody and and a brother or sister in Christ kind of calls you out and says no. I know that's what you're saying to me, but, but you don't actually believe that, right? Because I can tell you right now, I don't believe that. I think you're smarter than that. And then people get offended, like, I can't believe you're talking to me. Hey, if you've got someone in your life that cares enough about you to tell you the truth, even when it hurts a little bit, you got to thank God for that. Because we are to exhort one another. We are to consider one another. We are to look at each other and say, hey, I no. I'm not, if you're going to go out, I'm going to let you go out like that. You need someone in your life. And let me say this, others need you. We are to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but exhort one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we see this idea of communal responsibility. There is a responsibility that we have to each other to commune, to to live the Christian life together. But then in verse 4, we see personal responsibility. And I think what Paul is trying to show us here is that communal responsibility does not negate personal responsibility. You cannot come to a church like this and say, well, I'm a failure, but the church let me down. Now, the church may have let you down, or the church maybe did everything to help you and, 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 
and you let yourself down. But the point is this, that though there is a communal obligation, a responsibility to each other, the truth of the matter is this, that oftentimes it is only those who are spiritual that can uh, fulfill that obligation. That's why he said, ye that are spiritual. And unfortunately, in the world we live in, there are very few people that are spiritual enough to be able to walk into somebody else's life and help them. So Paul says, look, there's a communal responsibility, but there's also a personal responsibility. The communal responsibility does not negate your personal responsibility. Notice there in verse 4, he says, but let every man prove. The word prove means to examine or to test. Let every man prove his own work. You say, nobody in my life tests me. Nobody in my life calls me out on my silliness. Well, that's not a good thing. You need to, you need to have some people in your life that are, able, that are close enough to you and love you enough and are spiritual enough to be able to do that. But you know, at the end of the day, you, you, the person that stares at you in the mirror is to prove his own work. You should call yourself out. I always tell people, you got to ask the question. When you say, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, or I do X, Y, and Z, you got to ask yourself, you know, when I do that, why do I do that really? What's the real reason? Because we like to lie to ourselves. In fact, we're the best at lying to ourselves. But when you can prove your own work, when you can say, here's what... I'm doing this, I'm making this choice, I'm making this move, I'm going in this direction, and there's what I'm telling everyone, but then there's the real reason. Can you at least be honest with yourself about the real reason? Because we like to spiritualize all sorts, because we're the greatest salesmen to ourselves, right? We can make everything be the will of God. I mean, you'd be shocked how many conversations I had, people were telling me like, you know, God wants me to buy a boat. I'm like... You know, God's not against boats. I mean, there's a story in the Bible about a boat. I don't think God's against boats, but if you want to buy a boat, just say you want to buy a boat. <laughs> you have to say, well, you don't understand because I, I can have this boat, and, and I realize that I might miss Sundays, but I might be able to save somebody out there and, you know, throw out the lifeline. I'm like, that's not what we're thinking about. <laughs> when we think about throwing out the lifeline, we're not talking about you at, at the river. And, and here's all I'm saying is we, we have this amazing ability to spiritualize and justify, make all sorts of bad decisions. But a responsible person realizes that they need to prove his own work. Amen. Examine and test themselves. And then shall he have rejoicing. If, look, if you just bought a little boat, I don't know it, okay? Somebody's going to email me. I just bought a boat. You're pretty, look, I don't if you, And I'm not against boats. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. And again, this, this is not taken away from the fact that there is a communal responsibility. This does not take away from the fact that Paul just told us, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual resources and one in the spirit of meekness. But what he's saying is this, that you cannot wait for somebody to bail you out. You cannot wait for someone to come alongside. Now, someone should come alongside. And if someone has not come alongside to help you, then how about you become strong enough so that you can come alongside someone? But at the end of the day, you should stand rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. You need to, here's what he's saying. Here's what he's telling us. He's telling us you need to worry about yourself. And, and we're not saying that in the American type of like, look out for number one. That's, that's not the idea. We are to esteem others better than ourselves. But the idea is this, that you've got to care for and worry about yourself because you will never be able to help someone else if you yourself are a mess. She says, worry about yourself. Let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Notice verse 5, he says, for every man shall bear his own burden. He tells us, you need to worry about yourself. You say, why do I need to worry about myself? Here's why. Because you will bear your own consequences. Isn't that true? And this is why, and this is why I tell people, Look, we can sit here and throw a pity party. We can sit here and make all sorts of excuses. 
We can say why I didn't do this and why I didn't accomplish that and why I failed here and why I failed there. And we can do all of those things. But isn't it true at the end of the day, no matter what excuses you come up with, no matter what story you come up with to explain why it is that you did not do, that you were not responsible, and that you did not accomplish what you were supposed to accomplish, at the end of the day, you still have to live with those consequences. So no matter how good your story is, and even if your story is a legit story, and some of you could stand up here, we handed you the mic, you could tell your story, and we would all say, yeah, I get it. I understand. If I would have grown up with that mother, if I would have grown up with that father, if I would have married that individual, or if I would have had that, if I would have entered into that career and then had that company do... Look, I get it. Maybe it's true. Maybe all of that is true. But at the end of the day, every man shall bear his own burden. So personal responsibility says that even if I have a good excuse, and even if I have a legitimate excuse for whatever it is that I'm failing in, how about I don't pass the buck and take personal responsibility? Because at the end of the day, no matter how good my excuse is for how much debt I'm in, I'm still in debt. No matter how good my excuse is for being unemployed, I'm still unemployed. No matter how good my excuse is for why my marriage ended, at the end of the day, my marriage still ended. So even if you have a good reason why, personal responsibility says, why don't you stop making excuses? I know pity parties are fun. I get it. But how about you worry about yourself because at the end of the day, every man shall bear his own burden. Let me quickly read to you. This was from several years ago when I preached on personal responsibility and we went with that theme of the buck. I just think it's interesting. Let me read this to you real quickly. The history of that phrase, pass the buck. It says this, To pass the buck today means to evade or avoid responsibility by shifting it to another person. The term comes from the game of poker as played in the 19th century America where players took turns acting as the dealer to keep track a marker known as the buck, often a knife with a handle made of buckhorn, was placed on the table in front of the dealer, and the, pa- and the knife was passed to the next player before each round. By the early 20th century, pass the buck had spread from meaning to transfer the responsibility from one poker player to another, to meaning to shift responsibility from, for anything to another person, which is the sense in which uh, we use it today. And look. You can pass the buck. You can say, no, 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 it's not my fault. Someone said to, to err is human and to shift the blame is even more human. And, and you can pass the buck and you can say, no, it's not my fault. And here's the reason why. And I'm not responsible. And it's not me. But at the end of the day, you're still going to live your life. And look, when it comes to responsibility, and here's the thing, and here's kind of the catalyst. That what you need to understand about responsibility is this. That we cannot get rid of responsibility. And this is what I would, I would, I would teach uh, young people. If you're a young person here tonight, I, I want you to really uh, understand this. Our irresponsibility because, becomes somebody else's responsibility. Do you understand what I just said? Our irresponsibility because some, becomes somebody else's responsibility. When a teenager decides that they're going to shower and grab a towel and use it and dry themselves, and then they decide to be irresponsible and throw that towel on the ground and walk away. That towel doesn't disintegrate. I don't know if you know that. It doesn't magically get washed and folded and back in uh, the, the shelf that you grabbed it from. Somebody, somebody actually has to come, and usually it's mom, Somebody has to come alongside behind you and pick that towel up and put it in the dirty hamper or wash it and dry it and fold it. And here's what I'm saying. Our irresponsibility does not just hurt us. Our irresponsibility becomes somebody else's responsibility. Now you say, well, I understand that with the towel. But let me tell you something. It's the same thing at your job. 
Is the same thing with the economy? Is the same thing at work? You can say, well, I was on drugs, and I did this, and I did that, and it caused this, but I don't have the money, and the government... Well, look, just because you don't pay, just because the government gives you something for free doesn't mean that somebody didn't pay for it. Do you understand that? Our irresponsibility does not magically just fold itself and get itself where it's supposed to go. Your irresponsibility becomes somebody else's responsibility. That burdens somebody else. So how about you pick up your own towel? We see that the responsible person realizes that they have to deal with the problem. Well, Pastor, you understand, you know, I'm just, I'm just poor. I get that. And I, and I grew up in this bad neighborhood, and I get that. And I just, I didn't, my parents were on drugs, and my parents were this, and my, and look, and I get that. I'm not minimizing any of that. But at the, end, at the end of the day, no matter why you're poor, you're still poor. So a responsible person says, I'm not going to make excuses. I'm going to figure out how to fix this. Because I'm the one that has to live with it. And though I might have a good excuse, and I might have a good story, and there might be a good reason, I'm still the one that has to live with the consequences. Every man shall bear his own burden. So responsible people realize this, that they have to deal with the problem. And you know what some people do is they run from problems. They run from problems. But a responsible person walks towards problems. One of my biggest pet peeves in the world, and this happens a lot because I'm a pastor and I get that. And if you've done this, I'm not mad at you. Look, I'm just, okay, I am mad at you. (laughs) My personal pet peeve, you know, what, what irritates me the most is when people just bring me a problem. No solution. Just like, here's the problem. And I, always, I think to myself, this is what I always think to myself. When somebody brings me a problem, I think to myself, I just heard about this. Like, I literally, like, the words just came out of your mouth, entered into my ear, and were processed in that brain up there. Like, I literally just heard of this, and I've already brainstormed three possible solutions. What does that tell me? It tells me you are not a responsible person. It tells me you have not even thought about this or you don't care about this because I literally just heard about this 30 seconds ago. And I'm already like, well, you could have done this. Well, how about this? How about that? I know it's hard. But a responsible person realizes that they have to deal with the problems. And look, in your life, you've got some problems. And it may not be your fault. And I'm not saying it is your fault. But a responsible person says it doesn't matter whose fault is. It doesn't matter where the buck can go. Let's deal with the problem. Number one, we see that responsible people realize that they have to deal with the problem, no matter where it came from. The responsible person realizes that if the towel is on the ground, whether I put it there or not, someone's got to pick it up. That's what a responsible person realizes. Here's number two. Notice Galatians chapter 6, look at verse 6. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. And then in verses 7, 8, and 9, and and 10, we have a very well-known passage of scripture regarding reaping and sowing. Notice verse 7, be not deceived. Remember Galatians 6, 3, he that deceiveth himself. The Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. There's a very famous uh, principle taught throughout the Bible, and it is the principle of reaping and sowing. When you sow something, you will reap something. When you put a seed in the ground, it's going to produce something as a result. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I said, number one, this evening, responsible people realize that they have to deal with the problem. Here's number two. Responsible people realize that their future state is the result of their current choices. I I hope you understood what I just said. Responsible people. Because Paul, he's not just randomly giving us these verses. 
He's saying, look, you have a responsibility to those around you, communal responsibility. But that does not negate personal responsibility. You have a responsibility to prove your own self and, 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 and test yourself and make sure you're doing the right thing for the right reason, in the right way. Why? Because you're going to have to deal with those consequences. And then he jumps into this idea of reaping and sowing. And he's not just randomly saying that. He's not just like, I got I to gotta say something. You know, this book needs six chapters and I, uh, I ran out of material, so let me pull some stuff from the Old Testament about reaping and sowing. No, no, no. He brings this up for a reason, man. He brings it up because of the fact that a responsible person realizes that their future state is a result of their current choices. By the way, let me say it this way. Your current state is a result of your prior choices. This is the idea of reaping and sowing. Sowing and reaping. Look at it again, verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. This is a promise from God. Let me give you several principles regarding this idea of sowing and reaping. Number one, sowing and reaping always produces something. This is a promise from God. If you sow, you will reap. Every time you sow, you will produce something. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Keep your place there in Galatians. Go to Proverbs real quickly. Proverbs chapter 11. If you would, if you open your Bible just right in the center, you're more than likely to fall in the book of Psalms. Right after Psalms, you have the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 11. Look at verse 18. Proverbs 11, 18. You can lose your place in Hebrews, but I'd like you to keep your place in Proverbs. We're going to leave it. We're going to come back to it. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 18. Notice what the Bible says. The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness. I want you to notice these words. To him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. It is a sure reward. That word sure means it's reliable. It's trustworthy. Look, you can count on this promise. This is a promise throughout the entire Bible, and it is this, the promise of sowing and reaping. And the Bible teaches that when you sow and you reap, you, the, the process of sowing and reaping always produces something. It will produce something. It's a sure thing. You can bank on it. Now, look, that should be... That should be a blessing. That, that should be an encouragement to you. If you're starting a business and you're like, I'm not sure how this is going to work out. Or if you're starting a church and you're like, I'm not sure how this is going to work out. Doesn't seem like it's going that great. Doesn't seem like I'm getting a lot of traction. You know what the Bible teaches? That, uh, that, that whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And if you get a lot of sowing in and you get enough sowing in, I can promise you from the Bible that you will reap. The problem with a lot of people is that they're hoping for a, a whole lot of reaping and they're not doing a whole lot of sowing. Right. And they're like, well, God isn't meeting me and God isn't helping me and God isn't... Look, God is, gonna, God is going to meet you on the other side and help you. He's going to give you the momentum that you need, but you need to do your part. You need to get out there. You need to work hard every day. You need to get up and work hard every day. You don't just go start a church somewhere and decide you're going to work one day a week. That's a joke that people always make about pastors. Oh, you just work one day a week on Sundays. Uh, I can't even tell you last time I took a day off. I'm just saying you sow and you sow and you sow and eventually you'll reap. It's a biblical principle. You can bank on it. You can count on it. So you say, well, things aren't going well. Things aren't going well with my finances. Things aren't going well with my health. Things aren't going well with my children. Things aren't going well in my marriage. Things aren't going well in my life. Whatever area it is, you figure out how to sow properly into that area. And you just consistently sow and do the right thing over and over and over again. And I promise you, you will reap. It's a sure reward. Sowing and reaping always produces something. But please understand this. Keep your place in Proverbs. Go to the book of Hosea. If you're in Proverbs, you're going to go past uh, uh, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. Okay? Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. Keep your place in Proverbs. Also keep your place in Hosea. We're going to go back and forth for a little bit. I want you to get to it quickly. Hosea chapter number 8. Here's another promise regarding sowing and reaping. First of all, sowing and reaping always produces something. Secondly, sowing and reaping always produces more. This is a promise in the Bible, Hebrews 8, verse 7. For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. Do you see that? Now what's more, a whirlwind, the wind or a whirlwind? Here's what God says. You sow the wind, you reap the whirlwind. And that, shouldn't that make sense, sowing and reaping? 
You sow one seed into the ground and it produces fruit that has a lot more than that one seed. So here the, here's what you need to understand regarding sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping always produces something. And sowing and reaping always produces more. You sow the wind, it, you'll reap the whirlwind. You will, you will produce more leveraging and utilizing the principle of sowing and reaping. You say, well, this sounds good. This sounds good. It sounds good up to this point. And here's the point you have to remember. Keep your place there in Proverbs. Keep your place there in Hosea. Go back to Galatians chapter 6. Look at verse 8. The problem with the idea of sowing and reaping is that it is a law. It is a law of the universe. It is a law that God put in this universe. But like the laws of the universe, it is an immoral law. It's neither good or bad. It's like gravity. It just is. It is what it is. Gravity can hurt you. Gravity can help you. It's not right or wrong. It just it is what it is. And here's what you need to understand regarding sowing and reaping. Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. For he that soweth to his flesh. Because remember, sowing and reaping always produces something. And sowing and reaping always produces more. You say, that sounds good. Yeah, if you're sowing in the right place. But what if you're sowing in the wrong place? Well, this isn't a blessing. This is a curse because sowing and reaping always produces something. And sowing and reaping always produces more. So he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. This might answer the question for some of you why it is that I am in the place that I am right now. You are where you are. Your life is the sum total of the choices you have made. Your future state is, will be the result of your current choices, and your current state is the result of your prior choices. And if you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And when it says reap, reap life everlasting, that's the thing you're going to get everlasting life. If you're saved, you have everlasting life. The idea is that you're going to reap in the spiritual realm. And look, I, I want to be reaping in such a way. See, when, when, when you sow, when you sow to that which is carnal, it stays here. But when you sow to that which is spiritual, it impacts heaven and earth. So the problem with the sowing and reaping is that it always produces something that's a good thing, could be a good thing. It always produces more, that's a good thing, could be a good thing. The problem with sowing and reaping is that it always produces similarly. Everything brings forth after its own kind. So if you're sowing laziness, 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 and you're like, all I'm reaping is, you're reaping what laziness produces. You understand that? If you're sowing lying, lying, deceptiveness, deceptiveness, and you're like, my life is a man, you're, you're reaping what that produces. But if you're sowing honesty, integrity, hard work, do you understand that? Amen. He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Go back to Hosea chapter 10. Look at verse 12. If you kept your place in Hosea, Go back to chapter 10, Hosea 10, 12. Notice what he says. Hosea 10, 12. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. See, not only does sowing and reaping always produce something, it always produces more, and it always produces similarly. When you sow righteousness, you reap mercy. And look, I, I, I'm just... Go, go to Proverbs real quickly. Proverbs 22, look at verse 8. Let's see it on the opposite end. Proverbs 22, verse 8. He that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity. So look, when you sow righteousness, you reap mercy. When you sow iniquity, you reap vanity. And look, here's the point, and here's what you need to understand. You cannot sow a bunch of wickedness and then pray for a crop failure. It doesn't work that way. You will reap what you sow. Your current state is a result of your prior choices. But a responsible person, 
A responsible person understands that the future state is a result of their current choices. And a responsible person understands that maybe I'm in a bad place right now. And I'm in a bad place right now. I'm reaping some bad things because I've been sowing some bad things. But going forward, how about I start sowing some good things? And it might take some time, and I might take a little bit of uh, time, and, and it might take a while, but eventually, if I start sowing some good things, and look, whatever area it is, it doesn't matter what area of your life you want to apply this in, whatever area that God is telling you in your mind and your heart, uh, start sowing in that thing the right things, and you'll reap. But here's the, here's the, here's the last principle for sowing and reaping. Go back to Galatians 6, verse 9. First of all, I said sowing and reaping always produces something. Secondly, I said sowing and reaping always produces more. Thirdly, I said sowing and reaping always produces similar. Here's the last principle regarding sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping always produces eventually. You don't put a seed in the ground and the next day it's an apple tree. It takes time. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing. Why? For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And here's what a responsible person understands. They understand that their future state is a result of their current choices. They understand that if they start sowing in the right direction, sowing the right things, doing the right things today, they will eventually reap the right things because the Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. At the Red Hot Preaching Conference, I was having a conversation with Pastor Shelley, and he was asking me about our building situation. Of course, I preached about it at the conference, but I was ta- he, he was talking to me about the, the story that I told about how it all kind of worked out, all these different things, how I was barely even trying to try to get this four-acre, 400-seat auditorium, and it's just like God's just like opening the doors and pushing me along, you know, and just getting me in that direction. He was, he was talking about how amazing it was, and then, and then he said this to me. He said, I don't think it's a coincidence that your church gave us 100000 for a building. And then, and then God just like, and what he was saying was this, you reap what you sow. Amen. You know, God, you know we, we, God just, God took care of it. And praise the Lord for it. And here's all I'm telling you. A responsible person realizes, a responsible person realizes that their future state is a result of their current choices. A responsible person realizes that they have to deal with the problems. They can't pass the buck. They can't make excuses for it. And look, this idea of reaping and sowing, this idea of you deciding, okay, I'm going to take responsibility starting now. Things haven't gone the way I wanted them to. They haven't gone the way they should have gone. But starting today, I'm going to start moving in the right direction. I'm going to start investing in the right direction. I'm going to start doing the right things. I'm going to start getting up early. I'm going to start praying. I'm going to start reading the Bible. I'm going to show up to work on time. I'm going to work hard and stop uh, uh, being lazy. And I'm going to invest the time and the energy. I'm going to do these things. I'm going to start sowing now so that I can reap in the future. That's what a responsible person understands. And look, How do you get there? You have to get to the place where you realize if it's going to be, it's up to me and God. I got to do it. It's not just enough to say, I'm not going to pass the buck. You also, my other little phrase regarding responsibility is, you've got to adopt this phrase, the buck stops here. Let me just read to you where that uh, little phrase came from. The buck stops here is a phrase that was popularized by U.S. President Harry S. Truman. We kept a sign with the phrase on his desk in the Oval Office. The phrase refers to the notion that the president has to make the decision and accept the ultimate responsibility for those decisions. And in your life and in my life, it's not enough to just say, I'm not going to pass the buck. You also have to take the responsibility to say, the buck stops here. If it's going to get done, I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to co-labor with God. I, I need to just start sowing in the right direction. Number one, responsible people realize that they have to deal with the problem. Number two, responsible people realize that their future state is the result of their current choices. And then let me give you the third one real quickly. Tonight, we'll be done soon. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. He says, and let us not be weary. I want you to notice this little phrase, in well-doing. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, but we faint not, verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Here's statement number three. Responsible people realize that they must position themselves to help others. You know what your goal should be in life? 
Your goal should, in life should be to be so mature, to be so responsible, to be so successful. Not that it goes to your head because pride goes before destruction. But to be so mature and so successful in life that you have the freedom and the ability and the capability to help others. That should be your goal. That's what Paul says. He says, hey, let us not be weary and well-doing. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. You know, we need to be looking for opportunities to help others. But here's, here's the part where responsibility kicks in. Go, go to Luke, if you would. Matthew, Mark, Luke. We're going to look at one passage, one quick famous story out of Luke chapter 10. And it is this. Not only do we need to be looking for opportunities to help others, but we also need to be ready for the opportunities to help others. Do you understand that? See, being responsible means you're not only looking for the opportunities, but you, you have the ability, you have the resources, you have the capability. A responsible person positions themselves in such a way not just to say, oh man, I can identify the problem, I can see the issue here, I can see what's wrong, I wish I could help, sorry I'm broke. I wish I could help, sorry I'm immature. I wish I could help, sorry, I've got so many problems in my own life, I can't even think to, no, no. See, a responsible person realizes that they must, because they realize that they need to not pass the buck. They need to solve problems. They need to run towards problems. They need to help others solve problems because they realize that and they realize that their future state is a result of their current choices. Then they also position themselves in such a way to help others. I don't understand. Well, look at Luke 10. This is the most famous story of somebody helping somebody in the Bible. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he, saw, when he, when he was at that place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, want you to notice the last part of verse 33, he, the Bible says, he had compassion on him. That's a good thing. We see that these other individuals mentioned in this story, the priest and the Levite, they saw the problem, but they were callous. They had no empathy. They didn't care. They just crossed the street and walked on the other side. This guy had good intentions. He saw the problem, and the Bible says that he had compassion on him. The Bible says about our Savior that he was moved with compassion. This is a good thing. He identified the problem. But I want you to notice that this man did not only identify the problem and was not only moved to solve the problem, he didn't just have compassion on him, verse 34, but he shrugged his shoulders and said, what can I do? Is that what it says? Look at verse 34. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to the inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence. A pence in the Bible was a day's wages. He took two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. There's a famous quote by Margaret Thatcher. I'm not endorsing her, but she has a famous quote that says this. No one in the world would remember the Good Samaritan if he'd only had good intentions. He had money as well. And look, in verse 33, he had compassion, good intentions. But in verse 34, he had resources. Do you understand what I just said? He bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast. He had his own beast, brought him to the inn, took care of him, took out two pence. He had two pence to be able to do this and gave them to the host. And whatsoever thou spendest more, he said, when I come again, I will repay thee. Verse 36, which, which now of these thinkest thou, this is Jesus speaking, was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him. Here's what Jesus says. Here's what he wants us to take away from this parable. Go and do thou likewise. Amen. See, being responsible is not enough to be looking or observing opportunities to help. It also requires 
that you be ready for those opportunities to help. So when there's a struggling marriage, and maybe you could be of assistance, it doesn't help if your marriage is struggling too. You understand that? We need you to be responsible enough and mature enough and spiritual enough to be able to not only observe when there's a need, but also have the beast to put someone on. Also have the two pence in your pocket to take care of someone. Also have the oil and the wine. And here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying is that responsible people realize that they have to deal with the problems. That they can't just live their life passing the buck and saying, well, it's not my fault and here's the reason why. And maybe if you told us your reason, we would all agree with you and we would say, yeah, I'm with you and I agree. But at the end of the day, a responsible person realizes I still have to live with those consequences. So how about I stop passing the buck and I decide that the buck stops here and here's what I know. The Bible promises that if I sow in the right direction, I will reap in the right direction and a responsible person realizes that their future state is a result of their current choices. So they're going to start making the right choices today and position themselves in such a way so that when they come across that poor soul, on the side of the street, half dead, maybe physically, maybe spiritually. Instead of just hoping they could help and wishing they could help and move with compassion, they can see the need and they can meet the need because they position themselves in such a way where they are, if we turn it all the way around and make full circle, verse 1, where they are the spiritual person who can restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. It's called personal responsibility. Do you have it? If not, you should get it. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this portion of scripture. We thank you for these principles. Lord, I pray you'd help us to apply them in our lives. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be responsible people Many things that we deal with are self-inflicted wounds. They are our own doing. But not everything. We live in a sinful world, in a sinful state. Sometimes things happen. And they may not be our fault. But a responsible person does not worry about whose fault it is. They worry about what they can do about it. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to be that person. Help us to become the spiritual, mature individual that when needed, is able and capable to help others also. We love you. And match the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We're going to have Brother Moses come up and lead us in a final song. just want to remind you a couple of things. First of all, don't forget, if you're part of the cleaning crew, uh, we apologize, but we are moving the dinner and training uh, from this Friday to next Friday. So.